0: fishing for a show aimed at the outdoor enthusiast? Tune in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, Saturday at 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern on Rural Radio, Sirius XM, channel 147, and on the Sirius XM app.
1: Welcome in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops. If you love fishing, hunting, and the great outdoors and want to make it even better, you're in the right place. With host Rob Keck, your adventure starts right here.
0: Good morning and welcome, and thanks for tuning into Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops, where truly your adventure starts right here i'm rob keck your host and i hope you're having a wonderful weekend social distancing somewhere in the great outdoors you know as we enter this season of summer vacations and you know coming out of the uh, shelter in phase of this covid crisis more and more folks than ever are going outdoors for family fun and vacations from east to west north to south families are camping they're fishing they're hiking And enjoying all that Mother Nature has to offer. And, you know, there's just been a tremendous uptick in the number of people that are RVing and and heading to remote areas away from crowds of people. And for some, it's also back to regular weekend getaways, traveling to the lake or the mountains, uh, somewhere close to home or maybe even to the beach. Yet for others, those trips are journeys cross-country, possibly for a couple weeks camping at a national park or some other remote campsite. Well, let me tell you, there's lots of opportunities there in the great outdoors and all across the country. And that means before you head to the woods or out on the water, you've got to, well, think about that favorite campsite. You've got to stop on by Bass Pro Shops or Cabela's. You're going to find the latest and best gear at the very best prices on everything you're going to need for fishing, camping, boating, kayaking, hunting, recreational shooting, and so much more. And if you can't get to one of our destination retail locations, check us out online at BassPro.com. Go Outdoors. And what a show. What a show we have for you today. Two returning guests, outstanding guests with Stephanie and Jeremy Puglisi. And, And they've been with us before, and they bring such a wealth of knowledge. And they're a passionate husband and wife team that are truly experts in the world of RV camping. They co-host podcasts, they're authors, magazine contributors, bloggers. But before we meet today's guests, I want to mention that if you're new to camping, outfitters at our Bass Pro Shops Cabela's Retail Locations can help you with everything that you need for camping, hiking, outdoor cooking, and more. And, And all this, they can be found, great instruction right there at Bass Pro Shops Cabela's Retail Destinations across the U.S. and Canada. You're going to be able to find some personal advice in picking that right tent, sleeping bags, kayaks, cookware, footwear, clothing, and so much more to help you enjoy the great outdoors. Well, to get us started today, I want to introduce today's guests. Like I said, they've been with us before, Jeremy and Stephanie Puglisi. Uh, they are the co-hosts of the RV Atlas podcast. And this husband wife team are co-authors of Idiot's Guide to RV Vacations, their latest book, See You at the Campground, A Guide to Discovering. Community, connection, and a happier family in the great outdoors, which, by the way, is available at Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's or wherever books are sold. They're also regular contributors to Trailer Life Magazine, bloggers at RVFTA.com, and you can follow their crazy camping adventures at the RV Atlas. Our topic today everything you need to know to go camping this summer. That said, please welcome back to Outdoor World Jeremy and Stephanie Puglisi. Jeremy and Stephanie, welcome back to Outdoor World. Thanks for joining us today.
2: Hi, Rob. Thanks for having us back on.
3: Good morning, yeah. Rob. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, man, I'll tell you what. In this wild and crazy world that uh, we live in, you know, compounded by, you know, the COVID-19. And after weeks of being sheltered in, more and more people are now finding their way to the great outdoors. And, and obviously, it's an important uh, to stay safe while camping during COVID-19. And with that said, what are public health officials thinking about getting outside?
3: Well, I was asked to write a few magazine articles encouraging people to get back outside and go camping this summer. So I actually went and did some research because I, I didn't want to recommend something that I wasn't comfortable with. And what I found was that the overwhelming number of public health officials are saying it is very safe to go outside this summer you need to take some precautions, you need to observe social distancing practices, but the great outdoors is, is safe, and it's just a very, very low ch- chance of contracting something like coronavirus if you're outside. And they're all saying it's actually safer to be outside than to go somewhere else inside this summer.
0: Wow. Well, considering where to camp this summer, what recommendations do you have on where to camp?
2: Yeah, Rob. You know, the more we were thinking about how this season might look a little different for us—RVing and camping—the more we realized that we were going to switch our focus to maybe those long drive trips that we like to fit in in the summer when our kids are off of school, and maybe go visit a like faraway national park. And we decided that this was a great year to explore those natural uh, treasures close to home. Right? There's a lot of reasons for that. There's you know a variety of Different situations in different states. And it can be a little tricky to navigate all of the different um, policies, right, as you cross state lines. And also, not everything's open and you don't know when it's going to be open. So, if you had that bucket list trip, like I'll admit, we had a bucket list trip planned this year out west, (laughs) it might be a good year to pause and say, hey, let me hold off on that because. This might not be open or that or I won't be able to, you know, see this on that trip and, and turn your attention towards the things at home that maybe you haven't fully appreciated recently and try some of those state park campgrounds near you or some of those hikes that you haven't done or some of those fishing holes that you haven't discovered near home.
0: Yeah, well, tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, families that are out there uh, about monitoring your kids and avoiding those crowded spaces. What advice do you have there?
3: Well, you know, in like last summer, we were giving our kids a lot of freedom at the campground. We have twin 11-year-old boys and a seven-year-old. And last summer, we were letting them kind of go off to the playground on their own and just, just giving them some more freedom as they're getting older. This summer, we're kind of tightening that up a bit again, because things like playgrounds can be hotspots, there can be lots of other kids, there can be crowds. So we're kind of back to keeping a bit more of a watchful eye on them because of the current situation.
0: Yeah, well, you know, give us your thoughts on social distancing, then, as it relates to, say, hiking. You know, many people, of course, when they camp, they're going to go on a hike, or some of them by the lake, and they're going to fish. We've got just about a minute here before we have to take this next break.
2: Yeah, I, Rob, I think it's important to know that not everybody's gonna have the same um, opinions as you, right? So there's gonna be a whole spectrum of people out there that some are gonna be wearing masks all the time outside, some aren't, some are gonna be in groups, some aren't. It's important to know you have to decide what works for you and your family and then find outdoor situations that fit that. So this might not be the best year to to try a popular trail if you really want to avoid people. This is a great year to find the off-the-beaten track spots if you You don't, you know, don't expect other people to be wearing masks outside. Um, That's not something that everybody agrees on. So, again, just know that there's a variety of opinions out there and find a way to be comfortable however you want to be outside.
3: Fishing is built for social distancing, (laughs) right? I mean, you don't walk up to a bunch of strangers and start fishing right next to them. So these these are good situations to be in in the outdoors right now.
0: Sure. Well, look, we got to take our uh, first break. we return, we're going to just pick up where we left off and continue our conversation with Jeremy and Stephanie. This and a whole lot more coming right up. And I'm Rob Kank, your host here on Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World.
1: Sirius XM's Rural Radio is your guide to the agricultural markets
0: where expert analysts and traders join our discussion live. Your information.
4: Open up the farm and the challenges we face. You can learn how to do it for yourself. Rural Radio, your
0: gateway to the rural lifestyle. The latest information about hunting, fishing, and more. Rural Radio is the leader in Western sports. We talk about the latest in Western sports. Professional rodeo, bull riding.
3: Sirius XM's Rural Radio. one forty-seven, Or listen on your phone when you get out of your car with the Sirius XM app.
0: In 1912, Theodore Roosevelt said, There can be no greater issue than that of conservation in this country. More than a century later, his statement has never been more meaningful. The Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership promotes Roosevelt's commitment to the sporting life by guaranteeing that all Americans have quality places to hunt and fish. Visit trcp.org to learn more and take action.
1: Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And uh, if you've just tuned in, we're visiting
0: with the co-host of the RV Atlas podcast, Jeremy and Stephanie Puglisi. Let's pick up where we left off. You know, we were talking about social distancing relating to hunting and fishing. What are your thoughts on camping with other families?
3: We have always loved camping with other families, but I think this summer, it's more important than ever to make sure you're on the same page before you go to avoid stressful situations. So if you're like very strictly wearing masks or observing social distancing and and you go with that family that just is not paying attention to those things, that could create some stressful environments. So we just got back from camping in the Lake George region in the Adirondacks of New York And we camped with another family, but we had a conversation before we went about what the rules were going to be with the kids. So for instance, we didn't share food this time around, which we would always do. And we didn't let the kids into each other's RVs, which we always do. But we agreed upon those things beforehand. And I think because we did that, we were able to have a really relaxing weekend together. Yeah, well, good.
0: You mentioned food. How about advice on bringing food and supplies on that camping trip?
2: Yeah, we are. We're more careful than ever. Um, We've been, you know, RVing, camping long enough that we don't take, you know, packing too seriously. We're always like, oh, there's always a store to run into if you forget something. We don't really stress out about it. Well, this year we took our checklists a little more seriously. One of the ways that we wanted to minimize our contacts as we traveled was to avoid just going into stores as much as possible. So we packed our food supplies for every meal for the entire trip, plus a little bit extra. I don't think I've ever brought so much food <laughs> along in the RV. And then also we made sure to have, you know, certain cleaning supplies and everything that we might have been a little more lackadaisical about in the past. You know, hand sanitizer in the car, a pump of that, um, things like that. We made sure that we were well stocked in advance.
3: Stephanie had the refrigerator bursting at the seams, but <laughs> I it, it worked well imagine. for us because a lot of restaurants were closed. Yeah, well, you know, I
0: mentioned in that last segment or the, the question you know, where to go, and so there's, you know, many options available when it comes to considering a campground, and, you know, the dilemma for some might be choosing the right campground for, for your family, and that said, let's look at the different types of public uh, campgrounds that are out there, and let's start with the pros and cons of a state park. Give us your thoughts.
2: Yeah, you know, state parks are usually the more um beautiful, remote private campgrounds out there, right? They're affordable often. They have more space in their campsites. So all of these things are looking particularly attractive this year, right? So in the past, we really love all kinds of camping. And we might have, you know, done some state park camping, but then some um, camping at places that have more pools and everything. This year, think about what you actually want to do. A lot of state parks have on-site bike trails hiking fishing so right there they're going to be the amenities that you can actually take advantage of this year so that's definitely what you want to be thinking about
3: well give us your thoughts on the pros and cons of the National Park Service campgrounds so the National Park Service campgrounds are often in the most beautiful places right inside of the national parks but because of that they're highly desirable and they can be very hard to book sites So if you want to camp inside of Badlands National Park or Yosemite National Park, it can get quite competitive to get those sites. So you need to figure out when the booking window opens, maybe six months in advance, nine months in advance. And you need to be on that morning because typically with those popular campgrounds, the sites will be gone that day. So it requires a bit more advanced planning to get into the National Park Service campgrounds. But it's so worth it because they're, they're so stunning and so beautiful.
0: Yeah, they really are. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize the Corps of Engineers also has campgrounds. Give us the pros and cons of camping there.
2: Well, these might be one of the best kept secrets, right, in America. And I'm not sure that anybody wants us to spill the beans, but the <laughs> Army Corps of Engineer campgrounds are really a treasure in this country because they're all located um, on these waterways, right, that the Army Corps of Engineers manages. And what they've done is they've built up these wonderful campgrounds with, hu- a lot of the time, huge sites and paved you know, areas for your RV to sit on right there on reservoirs or lakes or rivers and all these different waterways. Oftentimes, there's boat launches. They even
3: have hookups at some of these campgrounds, and they're 20 to 30 bucks a night. I think the problem is they're very difficult to find.
2: Yeah, it's hard, right? I don't know if they're doing this on purpose, but they're a little (laughs) bit, they fly a little bit under the radar. So one of the best things maybe you can do is um, go onto the internet and and literally put in, you know, Army Corps of Engineer campgrounds and your state and see what pops up and see what might be right around the corner that you didn't even know about.
0: Yeah. Well, there's some really well-managed private campgrounds out there. So let's take a look there and, you know, give us your thoughts on family-owned campgrounds as a place to camp.
3: We have always loved over the years going to family-owned campgrounds, and we think that they're also very good for new campers because there's often an owner on site or a manager on site. So if you're renting an RV for the first time, or you're just going on your first camping trip, and you've never even set up camp before, a family-owned campground, there might be a bit more support there for you. Or if you go to a state or national park, sadly, they can be underfunded. There's not that many rangers around. The rangers are not necessarily campers themselves. So there's a good support system at the family-owned campgrounds. They're going to have more amenities, they're going to have more hookups, and they're going to cost more, too.
2: I'll also say that this year, more than ever, right, with this flood of people who are choosing to camp instead of doing a lot of other types of family vacations, it might be really hard to secure a reservation at some of those amazing public campgrounds that we just talked about. You're probably going to have an easier time finding a a camp spot at some of these private campgrounds. You might pay a little more, but you're going to get a spot. (laughs) And and a lot of
3: states are keeping the state park campgrounds closed later than the family-owned. So the family-owned campgrounds have opened up a bit more quickly in most states. Well, KOA.
0: Man, I've seen those signs all over the country. How about some pros and cons on the KOA campgrounds?
2: You know, if you are one of those people that's really kind of cautiously sticking their toe out of their front door to go on a camping trip this (laughs) summer, a KOA might be a really good option for you. Um, Because of the fact that it's a franchise, KOA has given their campgrounds a lot of guidance and support in developing new policies, right? Think about how crazy this is for all of these people that have been in the campground business for decades to all of a sudden have to run their business completely differently, right, than they ever have in the past. And KOA specifically has stepped up to try to support their owners and in, in you know making changes maybe to their camp store or their check-in process or their activities. So in that way, if you're one of those people that is kind of on the fence and feeling a bit unsure, a KOA might be a really good option to have that family vacation but not feel uncomfortable.
0: Look, that takes us right to our next break. We return going to continue This educational conversation is really enlightening with Stephanie and Jeremy and a whole lot more coming right up. I'm Rob Kek, your host, right here in Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. Thanks for joining us, and we will be right back.
5: This is a public service announcement test from TakeMeFishing.org to determine if you need a fishing license and boat registration before heading out on the water. Let's begin. Are you a bear? Do you have a beak? Does your name rhyme with old beagle? Do you dart in front of cars? Here's a tough one. Do you have plumage? Do you rub your body against things to mark them? Do you have webbed feet? No, I mean like a... Were you hatched? Do you have fur? I'm not talking back hair. Does your boat fly south for the winter with the other boats? Regardless of how you answer, you need to be licensed and registered because it helps local conservation efforts protect the very natural resources you enjoy boating and fishing in for generations to come. Do your part at TakeMeFishing.org.
1: Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. On Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And thanks for joining us
0: here. And we're visiting with Jeremy and Stephanie Puglisi, who are the authors of See You at the Campground, a guide to discovering community, connection, and a happier family in the great outdoors. And by the way, that book can be found at our Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's retail destination retail outlets. Well, packing for many. Is always a challenge and packing for a camping trip well it can be a daunting task for for some especially if you've never camped before and you know personally i think back on an extreme backpack hunting trip that that i made for doll sheep and it was in the Mackenzie mountains of the northwest territories in canada and you know getting ready for that i knew i was going to have to be in good shape and have very limited gear that i could carry in fact you know, less than 30 pounds to take on this 10 day hunt. And I reviewed numerous gear lists and talked to other hunters that made similar hunts and began gathering and laying out the gear months in advance uh, off and checked them off my list. My wife said she never saw me plan so much for a trip. Well, with that said, look at tips for packing and camping trips. Uh, Do you guys have a dedicated camping gear list or what do you advise so that people know where to begin on what to gather for their trip.
2: Yeah, checklists are super important and we really do recommend it. We have a, an all-encompassing one that we've developed over the years for packing over on our website. But there's a lot of different options out there. The the key though is, right, to make this as seamless as a process as possible and for us that really means having dedicated gear. If you're bringing the spatula from your kitchen and all of that every time you go camping, it's going to feel so overwhelming and I guarantee to you're gonna forget something so making that investment if this is going to be you know something that your family enjoys over time making that investment in packing up your bins if you're te- tent camping or packing up your RV so that it's ready to go the only thing that you should be packing we say is food and clothes for any trip It's
3: also a great time to upgrade so upgrade some of the stuff in the house and make that the camping gear right you get the uh-huh. new coffee maker for the house and throw the old one out in the in the tent camping supplies or in the RV. Well, you know, on that
0: uh, extreme backpack hunt that I made for doll sheep, let me tell you, I learned what essential really means. And, uh, you know, when they say two sets of underwear and, uh, you know, one set of boots, and I mean, just it's like, whoa. So having essential and adequate gear and equipment is certainly important. Talk to us about being prepared versus being underprepared for that camping trip.
3: We always feel like, and we have an RV, so we're in a a position of luxury here, but we always feel like it's better to be over-prepared, to be ready for any type of situation, to have that emergency medical kit, to have clothing for all different types of weather. I don't want to have to, at 10 o'clock at night, be making that emergency run out to Walmart. I would rather have everything we need with us on the trip.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's really important that, um, you know, you're going to spend more time outdoors when you're camping. So you really do need to make sure that you prepare differently. You cannot, you know, when you're at home, you're protected from the elements more. So in the summer, you may not think about packing warmer clothes. But then all of a sudden, when you're spending more time outside while camping, you're like, Oh, I do need that jacket at night, right? Or in the early morning hours. So you have to think about your clothing differently. We, you know, there's that saying that there's no bad weather, there's just bad gear, right? Having that rain gear so that you're always prepared, you know, you can't, you you have to have that.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, many, many, many campers, many families taking young children and I couldn't, in my opinion, you can't start them too young. So how do you address the question of how many toys to bring along for the kids?
3: I would say as few as possible.
2: <laughs> let them play with the sticks, or <laughs> Yeah, let, let, them, let them
3: get out there and get dirty. And it just, it's yeah. easy to create clutter on a camping trip. And we want them to get out and explore the natural environment around them. So we've always really, really limited the amount of those types of things that we bring on a trip.
0: Yeah, well, I think that's smart. You know, it, it's amazing how ingenious kids can become with just natural things, sticks and stones and grass and leaves and all the kinds of things that, uh, that Mother Nature has to offer. And, you know, weather, of course, uh, well, we see lots of weather changes depending on where you go. I mean, from snow, uh, you know, some of these freak snowstorms that come in May, like in, in, the, in, the, rocky west, in the Rocky Mountain West, how, how do you pack for a wide variety of weather conditions? What's your
3: advice? Well, we'll go to Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's, right? Because they Uh, have everything you need for different types of weather (laughs) environments. But we always are going to bring that Gore-Tex raincoat. We're always going to bring warm clothes, even if it is summer. Layers, layers,
2: layers, right?
3: Lots of layers. We keep raincoats out in the RV because even if you're going on a camping trip in August, the nights might be cool. I mean, we've camped in Vermont in August and it was 48 degrees at night or 38 degrees at night. So you you definitely want to have the layers and have a little... Bit of everything and always be ready for rain on a hike.
0: Yeah. Well, I think somewhere in your book you may mention uh, about color code packing cubes. Uh, Tell us about that.
2: Well, the, this is one of my discoveries from very early on in our camping uh, adventures as a family. And to be quite honest, I think I'm actually still using the original sets of packing cubes, um, in addition to having purchased a lot more from like eight years ago. So, what we do to stay organized and to keep all the, you know, all the stuff kind of orderly even in a smaller space is we have these sets of packing cubes that are these little square zipper compartments. They're they're soft and flexible, and every kid is a different color, right? So one has a set of red, one has a set of blue, and basically they know, oh, the small packing cube has my socks and pajamas, and the medium one has my shirts, the big one has my pants and my shorts, and they know where all of their things are. I can also get my kids now to pack themselves because they know exactly what needs to go into every packing cube for a trip. Once I tell them, okay, go, you know, here's your packing cubes, go pack it up they know how to do it, that.
3: It's a miracle to watch. I mean, watching kids root through a duffel bag is very stressful because then the clothes oh, it end up everywhere, but the packing <laughs> cubes really work perfectly.
0: Well, you know, setting up camp can be a challenge if you've never done it. And, uh, you know, when you've got a family, you've got those youngsters there with you, how do you assign chores for the family and any tips on teaching those kids on, on how to help?
2: I think that one of the most important things is to have your kids help from day one, right? We all play together and we all work together too, right? We all do the things that we need to do to have fun together. So it's important to always identify, even when they're super small, those things that they can pitch in and become helpers on, because that'll just help build that kind of mentality for years to come, right? That we're all doing this together. This is a family activity. So when they're super young, it might be just that they are are, say like um setting up their bed right and putting their blankets on i mean even a three-year-old could do that they might not do it as well as you would like but you start encouraging them to do it as our kids got older they got um different jobs like putting the chocks on the on the wheels of the trailer or bringing down the stability jacks or setting um, up
3: the camp chairs around the setting fire.
2: up camp chairs cool. bringing the bikes out of the toy hauler
0: Well, look, we've got to take our next break. We return, going to continue our enlightening visit with Stephanie and Jeremy. This and much more coming right up. And I'm Rob Kekulis from the Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, and we will be right back
6: years ago, sportsmen led the first revolt to save what was left of North America's dwindling wildlife resources, and it took purpose and commitment. This crusade began with Theodore Roosevelt forming the Boone and Crockett Club in 1887. Since then, sportsmen and women have been at the forefront of every environmental revolution in this country, providing the vision, funding, and manpower to establish and run what has become the most successful system of wildlife management in the history of mankind. Yet To this day, our story remains relatively unknown, especially to those who don't hunt or fish. We must tell this story, but we need to do more than that. We must insist that others who claim to be conservationists but work tirelessly on campaigns to end all hunting honestly examine the evidence and then ask themselves, where would the wildlife they cherish be without sportsmen's dollars and without sportsmen's efforts? Conservation had a beginning, but it has no end. To learn more, visit booneandcrockettclub.com.
1: Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World.
0: And if you just tuned in, we're having a very informative visit with a couple of regular contributors to Trailer Life Magazine, bloggers at RVFTA.com, the husband-wife team of Jeremy and Stephanie Puglisi. One last thing on gear. How about the timing of unpacking that gear? You know, when, when you pull into a campsite, maybe there's a lake close by, or maybe there's friends there that you've recognized, and the kids want to go running out uh, you know, to, to the edge of the water. What do you do? How do you time the unpacking of all the gear that you take?
3: Well, you got to pay to play, and it is so important. The kids have to kind of earn the right to run out and play. So we make sure everything has to be done before you're going to go down fishing or you're going to go meet your friends. And I think there's almost like an unspoken code among campers and RV owners that you let the other family get set up before the fun starts. And so usually our friends, like their kids don't run over right away. They give you that little bit of space to get set up. And then everyone can relax and enjoy once once camp is all ready to go.
2: Of course, yeah. if I spent too much time in the car with my kids getting to the campground, I might say, boys, here are your bikes, go, <laughs> while uh-huh. we set up in peace and quiet. You never know. It just depends on the mood.
0: <laughs> sure. Well, you're touching on etiquette uh, there as well. And, you know, as any sport, or in the case of camping, there's some etiquette that needs to be followed. and you know, once you're set up there at the campground. So let's talk about the subject and start with the rules of the campground. Give us your thoughts.
2: Yeah, there's some big complaints that come up over and over at campgrounds. And there's lots of little rules that we could talk about. But one of the biggest complaints is people cutting through other people's campsites. So it's important just to know that there really are dedicated paths in a campground to anything like a lake or a beach or a bathhouse. And it's important that you don't cut through somebody's site in order to get to a bathhouse, say. And it's important that you teach your kids that because there are some cranky campers out there who really, really get upset if kids (laughs) go through their campsite. And in the era of social
3: (laughs) distancing, that rule might be more important than ever. Don't run through a stranger's campsite. It's also a safety
2: issue because there may be a dog there or something like that. So it's just one of those things that you want to teach your kids really early on. And then another one of the big complaints for etiquette at the campground is noise, right? So we're all enjoying the outdoors together, and everybody does that differently. Some people love to play their music. Some people love to sit and listen to the birds. So it's important that whatever you're doing outside, that noise isn't really carrying too far off your campsite. I actually,
3: I like to play music, and Stephanie's always telling me to turn it down low. So my rule now is that I turn my music on and I walk off my site and if I can hear it off of my sight, I turn it down. It has to be just for me.
0: Uh huh. Stephanie, you mentioned safety. And, uh, you know, of course, in campgrounds, there are roads and trails that uh, can be driven on. And uh, talk to us about driving and safety within the campground.
2: Yeah, it's super important that um, people know that you know, if you're going above five miles an hour, you're actually going too fast for a campground. And it can be hard. I know that new um, campers also are not very good at understanding how slow you actually have to go in a campground. Why is this? Because everybody that's used to campground life is used to being sort of um, (laughs) the king of the road, you know, (laughs) out there riding your bike, walking your dog, your kids might be playing catch in the road. That's a very common thing for a campground car or trucks are the thing that people are, you know, sort of expecting to defer to them. Well, if, a ba- <laughs>
3: if a baseball shoots out into the road, a really little kid might just run right out into the road and kind of just appear out of nowhere. So oh, yeah. driving as slow as possible is, is so important.
2: My rule is that I'm always thinking when I'm driving through a campground that if a child were to dart out, I would be able to slam on my brakes and stuff, right? So that's how slow you're going. You're really creeping through.
0: Yep. Well, You know, many have dogs that uh, they take along with them to their campsites. And uh, what are your thoughts uh, and rules about having the family dog at your campsite?
3: Well, we love to take our, we call her Sweet Maggie the camping dog. We take her on every camping trip. And about 50% of RV owners actually do travel with dogs. But it's important to keep your dog on leash. Uh, Most people recommend about six foot length at the most and also when your dogs just relaxing at your site it also should be on leash so it's it's just being considerate of other campers campers that might not be dog owners so if the dog is out of the RV or out of the tent the dog should be on leash
2: and also of course cleaning up after your dog is a hot you know mm-hmm. spot at yeah, the campground <laughs> you know that is something that people are really going to be paying attention to whether you do that we want to keep bringing our dog camping she's one of those dogs honestly she would have been a great farm dog she loves to be with us running around she doesn't really need a leash but we keep her on leash because that's the appropriate proper etiquette you know
5: uh-huh.
0: well i think all of us love to sit around a campfire at night or maybe during midday roasting some hot dogs but uh you know campfires always can be a challenge have to sometimes uh you know, there's not firewood close by. Maybe you bring some along. Talk to us about campfires and the responsible way to to handle that campfire.
3: Well, you shouldn't leave the campfire unattended. So if you're going to light a campfire, you, you kind of need to be committed to staying nearby. And also, you know, we're kind of with uh, Smoky Bear on this one. You, you need to completely extinguish the fire at the end of the night uh I really go to great pains to make the fire make sure the fire is like completely out cuz when we first started camping I would maybe just like dump a little bit of water over it and go to bed and then the fire can actually jump back up. You know, I'd wake up an hour or two later and see I'd have a roaring campfire going out there. So you need to really completely, completely put the campfire out.
2: Also watch for the garbage that you put in there, right? That's really bad etiquette to leave um, a fire pit that's sort of full of like maybe half burned bottles the next day for the next family that comes along. Um, that's something that really, uh, you know, gets in people's craw. <laughs>
0: Well, look, if you're planning on a campfire, how do you find out whether there's uh, firewood available or whether you need to bring your own?
3: I don't think I've ever been to a campground, whether it was a state park, a national park, or a private that didn't have firewood for sale.
2: Now it's going to be expensive.
3: There's one of the good tricks there is you should buy the firewood right outside of the campground. I mean, not be transporting it from state to state, but buy it somewhere kind of on the side of the road outside of the campground. It's probably going to be about half the cost as it will be at the camp store.
0: Uh huh. You have a motto on how you leave your campsite.
3: Why don't you share it with us? You got to leave the campsite better than you found it. And, and when the kids were little, we would always clean up the site before we would pack up and leave. And I remember several times saying, hey, guys, go pick up that, you know, that wrapper over there on the ground. And my boys would say, but that's not from us. That was here. And I really wanted to teach them, like, well, that doesn't matter. You know, I want the next person to come on board here and find a really, really clean campsite. And even if it's someone else's trash, we all have a responsibility to kind of keep everything clean out there in Mother Nature. Makes it a better experience for all of us. What a great motto. Well, look, that's going to take us to our next break.
0: We return, going to continue our visit with Stephanie and Jeremy right here on Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World.
4: This is Rob Keck, and we will be right back. Embrace the rustic elegance of a bygone era at Big Cedar Lodge. Located 10 miles south of Branson, Missouri, Big Cedar Lodge is a masterpiece that brings together natural beauty and contemporary luxury. Visitors are invited to explore and experience some of the most popular amenities here. At Big Cedar Lodge, you'll find casual dining options in an unparalleled atmosphere with signature dishes and local favorites highlighting classic menu items. Take in spectacular views at Devil's Pool, live entertainment at the Buzzard Bar, or relax at Truman Coffee and Cafe, all surrounded by the natural ambiance of the Ozark Mountains. One of the newest additions to the property is Cedar Creek Spa. This 18,000 square foot world-class spa is a private oasis with soothing pools, fireplaces, and a full-service salon. In addition to the complete spa experience, there are private suites available. All of these features make Big Cedar an ideal destination for weddings, corporate gatherings, and more. Families have been visiting Big Cedar Lodge for generations, looking to experience what many call a little piece of heaven on earth. To learn more, visit BigCedar.com or call 1-800-BC-Lodge.
1: Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio, Sirius XM. And we are back. And thanks for tuning in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And if you've
0: just tuned in, we're talking with the co-hosts of the RV Atlas Podcast, Jeremy and Stephanie Puglisi. And, you know, clearly the sale and the use of RVs has, it's been on the rise over the last couple months and purchasing uh, uh, an RV is a. I'd huge financial commitment. And for those that have yet to experience RVing, talk to us about possibly renting an RV this summer and sharing what we need to know. And
3: what are the basic ways that you'd go about trying to rent an RV? So there are really two major categories for RV rentals. There are some traditional RV rental companies that are kind of like the Alamo, you know, version of that in the RV world. And those are like Cruise America, Road Bear, El Monte. Those three companies rent class C motorhomes almost exclusively. They're not necessarily cheap, but they're very professional services and they've been around for a long time, but you have limited selection. Now, the second major option are peer-to-peer rentals, and this is kind of like Airbnb for RVs, and the two major established players there are Outdoorsy and RV Share, and those are both very professional platforms that come with insurance, and you can choose from a really wide variety of RVs that real owners are renting, maybe even in your own neighborhood. Uh, I wouldn't recommend one of these directions more than the other. We've we've done both for sure. But the one thing I would say is that uh, if you want to rent a towable RV, you probably really are going to have to go into that peer-to-peer rental world because the traditional companies really don't rent them.
2: I would say too that it's really important to look at reviews if you're looking at the peer-to-peer rental because the more traditional companies like Cruise America, they have a ton of support for first-time RV renters. And they'll like be, they'll, they have a lot of videos that you can watch and a lot of tutorials for how to do everything. In the peer-to-peer where people are renting at their own RVs, some of the owners are really good at that. And they'll have all of these resources, checklists, right? And they'll be really great about helping you for your first time. But some owners may not be so supportive. So if you're a first-time renter, you'll want to look for an owner with great reviews that maybe mention them being super helpful <laughs> to first-time RVers.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I mentioned the word expensive and you know, it's a very subjective kind of, of, of a term. Give me an idea just on the cost or how expensive an RV might be to rent.
2: There's a huge range of prices here. And sometimes people are quite shocked at the price tag of those traditional Cruise America Almonte RVs. They can range in that almost up to $300 a night. Um, And that will include like maybe generator use and mileage. But the reason, you know, so we really encourage people to think about a couple of things when they're thinking about that price tag. An RV rental is not necessarily a cheaper Um, option than an Airbnb or a hotel room, right? But, But for a family like ours of five, a single hotel room isn't really enough for us, right? We usually need a more expensive hotel room like a suite or two hotel rooms together to be comfortable. And then in addition to that, We save money through food costs. If you've stayed at a hotel, you know how expensive it is to eat out every meal with your family. But if you have an RV, even a rental, you can grocery shop, stock your RV, and you're eating for so much less. So we really do encourage you to think about food costs, you know, in that savings for RV rentals. And if
3: you're thinking about buying an RV, it's really smart to rent one first and just see if you like the experience before you kind of hot commit to that purchase price of buying one.
0: Yeah, great point. Well, you know, you mentioned a term I'm not familiar with. We probably have listeners in that same boat. Talk to us about peer-to-peer rental platforms and what kind of options exist there.
2: Yeah, so these are owners of RVs that... These RVs are sitting in their driveway, and maybe they can't use them as much as they would like. And so, what they do is they decide to basically fund their RV lifestyle through renting out their RV when they're not using it. So, for example, we have our um, you know travel trailer RV, and we might say, okay, well, we can't use it in the month of July, so we'll have it up on Outdoorsy, and somebody else can use it if they want. And the you know the platforms like Outdoorsy and RV Share, what they do is they really protect both the owners and the renters. The owners um, get insurance um, packages that they can purchase. Renters get roadside assistance packages that they can purchase. There's lots of different, there's background checks or like um, driver's license checks. Things like that are built into the system. So it feels a lot safer, um, you know, a a lot more usable than, say, just randomly trying to reach out to somebody to to, to rent their RV from them.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Well, with so many vacations canceled because of COVID, you know, what does the rental market look like as far as booking? Can you even get one at this late date? (laughs)
3: That's a great question. question. It has exploded. I mean, you know, in April, everybody was canceling uh, RV rentals. And then at some point in May, as things started to open up, the rental market exploded. Now I would guess you would still be able to find some good rentals out there, but if you want to go on an RV trip and rent an RV in August or something like that, you need to get on it now. You can't the spontaneity aspect of it might not be there this summer. You need to plan in advance as much as possible.
2: Yeah, I think uh-huh. that the number that I saw in May was that the RV rental month um, you know, year over year for the month of May was up 650%.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> Unreal. Well, assuming that I've never rented before, which I have not,
3: what kind of learning curve am I in for? It can be a pretty steep learning curve, and that's why you want to make sure you're renting it from somebody who is going to teach you how to use the RV, and those traditional rental companies are very good at that. You know, if you go to El Monte or Cruz America, they've been doing this for decades. They're not going to let you leave with that motorhome not knowing how to use it. But to Stephanie's earlier point, if you're renting from somebody in your neighborhood or in your region on outdoorsy or RV share, you've got to make sure they're going to teach you how to use the RV before you leave, because otherwise you're going to get to the campground. And instead of relaxing, you're going to be trying to learn how to dump the black tank or, you know, set up the awning or whatever it might be.
2: Yeah, you also want to look at it as part of the adventure, right? It's not (laughs) going to be the same as opening the door to a hotel room and throwing your bags down. You should be looking at this as part of the fun, right? You're learning how to do a new thing. You're enjoying time with your kids in a different way maybe than you have in the past. So just embracing that as sort of this challenge, just like you would tent camping, right? If you've never gone tent camping with your kids and you're teaching them how to set up a tent, that's, yeah, there's work involved and there might be some frustrations, but you do look at it as part of the fun. A sense of
3: humor is required.
0: (laughs) A great point, which will take us to our final break. Hold that thought. We return. Going to continue our wonderful visit with Stephanie and Jeremy and this and a whole lot more. Coming right up, and you're listening to Bass Pro Shop's Outdoor World. This is Rob Keck, and we will be right back.
4: We all have it, whether it was passed down from our fathers or grandfathers. We knew it was there, inside us. That need, that longing to walk among the wild. But it's more than just our love of the outdoors that keeps us coming back. It's knowing we serve a purpose to give more than we take. That we're here to carry on a legacy and become stewards of our wildlife. This place embodies that legacy with over a mile and a half of walkable trails and 35,000 live fish, mammals, reptiles, amphibians, and birds to teach and inspire. Stop, and you'll feel it. Listen, and you'll hear it. Asking you to share the wonder. The wonders of Wildlife National Museum and Aquarium. Share the wonder.
1: Back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World on Rural Radio Sirius XM. And welcome back to our final
0: segment of Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And we've been having a very educational and a fun discussion about camping with the authors of their new book, See You at the Campground, A Guide to Discovering Community, Connection, and a Happier Family in the Great Outdoors, which is available at Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's. And, of course, those authors have been with us through this entire show, Jeremy and Stephanie Puglisi. Well, for some, you know, it may make sense to buy an RV this summer. So the question is, what do you need to know? Uh, You know, as mentioned earlier, RV sales have surged. What can you tell us about
3: inventories of RDs today? Well, they can't build them fast enough. Uh, we, we have a friend that's a sales manager, and their, their inventory is 50% lower than it was last summer. That being said, uh, the RVs are out there. Uh, the deals might not be as good because they're selling them so quickly. And, and some of the manufacturers are even considering starting to build them on Saturday and on the weekends because they lost that, that whole month of, of April. So again, if you want one, you need to start looking into it now. Well, look, as with buying a car, a truck, an ATV,
0: a UTV, a lawnmower, and even an RV, service after the sale is a given. What advice would you give uh, uh, in where you buy your RV and and getting a good dealer? Your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I think that some people look at a RV purchase more as a car purchase. And honestly, it has more, um, in, it has more to, like a house purchase in terms of knowing that there will be things that you need to care for going forward, right? A new car you expect to drive with little to no issues for years, um, at first. If you're buying a new car, a home, you know, there's going to be things that you have to service every spring, every fall, you know, along the way. So it's important that you don't just look for the bottom dollar pricing. You have to take into consideration the service. A lot of dealers really do um, provide Great service for people that purchase their RVs from them, but there are dealers who, you know, front load that purchase and then don't take care of your RV later on. That's just an unfortunate part of the industry. Uh, A
3: a pro tip here for all your listeners, Rob, is when you go to an RV dealership, count the number of service bays they have. I mean, Uh actually look at the service center. If you walk in and there's really no service center or maybe just one bay, um, they're not going to be able to take care of you later after the fact. Yeah, well, I want to make sure
0: that I can get service because it doesn't matter how good of a piece of equipment is. Eventually, it's going to need some servicing. Well, budgeting, financing, talk to us about that when we're looking to buy an RV.
2: Yeah, I really I mean, nobody, you know, everybody's budget is their own. And there's such a big range out there. And I'm not in the business of telling anybody else what to do with their money. But something that we hear over and over again from folks is that they do kind of regret stretching their budget farther than they had originally meant to. Why? Because what happens? It it, it it digs into your budget for actual camping and travel, right? So when they're going in their shopping, they you know they're looking at one price range, but then they get the stars in their eyes over maybe the the kitchen island and the pennant lighting and the farmhouse sink in the RV, and they go, <laughs> Oh, well, we can spend more. So You know, something that we've learned over the years is that people actually enjoy the RV lifestyle a lot more when they do make a purchase that's super comfortable within their budget, whatever that may be.
3: Sometimes simple is better. Because the more bells and whistles you get on an RV, the more potential problems you can have with it. You know, I never want to be the guy at the campground who's cursing and swearing because he can't get his, you know, fancy electric this or that, or can't get his uh-huh. USB ports going or whatever it is. Sometimes simple can be more fun.
0: I remember my dad buying a, a car it was the first time that electric windows. Uh, were available dad said i don't want i don't want a car electric windows i want to be able to crank that thing knowing i can get it up and down all the time and it was i uh, it just it struck a, a chord with me well look we're just about out of time but uh you know with rvs coming in all different sizes and shapes what considerations would you recommend on selecting the size of an rv
2: Yeah, be very careful because when you're shopping for an RV, the RV is not in its natural habitat, right? It's at the the RV dealership. You may lose perspective of the size. You want to think more about driving the RV, storing the RV, and then also camping in the RV, okay? So if you want to camp at rustic state parks, beautiful natural environments, if you go too big, that's going to be a challenge. Make sure that you can store the RV you buy. And also make sure that you're comfortable driving it. Because if you go too big and then you're white-knuckling it for your comfort level on the highways, nobody's having fun, right? So err on the side of caution in that area. When you're sitting
3: in that RV at the showroom, imagine backing it up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, we are out of time. And I know we
0: didn't cover everything, but, you know, there's some out there saying, how about a towable RV? I'm sure they can go to your book, they can go to your website, and you can give them all the kind of pointers that they need. But I don't want to give you a chance just for a final thought here in the last 20 seconds.
3: My final thought is that the family in the $500 beat-up used pop-up camper is having just as much fun as the family in the half-a-million-dollar motorhome. And it's really not so much about which one you buy and how expensive it is. It's really about just getting out there into the great outdoors with your family and having a great time. And you can do that in just about anything. Wow. What a great thought. Great
0: idea. Stephanie, Jeremy, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for sharing and helping us become better-informed campers. Have fun this summer. And go beyond, go camping, go RVing, go outdoors. Folks, that's going to wrap it up today here in Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. I'm Rob McCack on behalf of Bass Pro Shops, where your adventure always starts right here. Thanks for answering the call. That call to conservation and preserving our rich hunting, fishing, and trapping
1: heritage. We'll
0: see you next week.
1: This has been Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, talking all things outdoors, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops, your outdoor leader. Join us next Saturday and every Saturday for more special guests and unique locations.